Gray is here on the Blaze Radio Network. Mm. Welcome to Pat Gray Unleashed, where we pick through the embers of a world that continues to burn to the ground. Uh, where our goal every day is actually this week is to uh, help make Eric July laugh every now and then. EricDJuly.com is yeah. where you can find him. Jill Savage, uh, Jill underscore Savage is your Twitter handle. Yeah, you get half a laugh for that. I got, what, that whatever that, that was, count? that was not a full laugh, that but was... we'll give you, you know, like half a sack. It's it's only half a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, okay. Uh, Pat is out this week. He and Jeffy are battling COVID. Our best to him, uh, to both of them, and to you and your family if uh, if you're struggling as well. Uh, we've lost Rob Borowski, who normally runs the cameras and doesn't zoom in quite as far as Sean Balmos does. I'll tell you that. Anyhow, uh, so everybody is, I mean, my gosh. I mean, we haven't lost is, him forever. No, we haven't. No, we lost him to the COVID. Thank you for, yeah. thank you Just, for clarifying you know, that. If there are people out there that know him, they're uh-huh. going to be like, well, <laughs> no, that's a he's good gone. point. He's gone. Yeah. Uh, okay. We've no, lost him. No, no, no. He's just sick. He's just under the weather. Um, now, later in the show... Uh, Justin Haskins is going to be here. Justin co-wrote the book with Glenn. Uh, Glenn Beck just came out with a new book. In fact, the web address is glennsnewbook.com. And it's about the Great Reset. So we're going to have some fun about an hour and a half from now uh, learning about that book and uh, the Great Reset in general, which it's going to be a fun conversation, right, Jill? We're looking forward to I am looking forward to it, but uh, uplifting it will not be. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I like that. that The whole title is The Great Reset, Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't sound very uplifting at all. Uh, By the way, um, Eric July, I don't know if anybody else has uh, this week heard, see, his chair, it, it does some squeaking. I've heard it. I don't know if anybody else has heard it on the air. Pat doesn't rock in his chair. Eric does. And I don't want to make you self-conscious about rock, rock in the chair if you want to. <laughs> because uh, before you came in this morning, I was nice. able to apply some uh, WD-40. I, I'm not hearing it now. No, I'm not hearing it. All right. Like yes. Like that issue has been resolved. If, if nobody heard that and it was just me, then uh, I apologize for the distraction. Um, before I forget, somebody sent me the, the long-range weather for the nation and I did not. I should have sent this image in, and I did not. So shame on me. Um, I actually I tweeted it out last night. Let's see if I can find this real quick. But um, you remember here in Dallas and anywhere in the middle of the country last February, how it got well below zero. In fact, at my place outside of the DFW area, it was at negative nine degrees Fahrenheit. This could be actually worse. Coming up, the last week of January, they're no. saying they're, 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 they're say, what, what you're looking at is departure from uh, nor- oh no no these are the temperatures yeah that's right somebody else sent me a departure from normal thing but they're predicting on January 27th the temperature at DFW Airport is supposed to be seven degrees. It's always so, fun. So you just uh, if you're uh, <coughs> basically as I look at this map anywhere in the nation get ready for the last week of January. I, I had be to fun. laugh because uh, my landlord sent out uh, an email that said, oh my gosh, it's it's below freezing, everybody. Like, keep the 
the door is open underneath the sink, drip some water. And I was like, guys, it's going to be 27 degrees for like three hours. Yeah. We're going to make it. <laughs> it's going to be okay. But I think everybody in Dallas is so traumatized. I, right, exactly. From last year. I was like, you guys, I, I lived in the Midwest. This we are we are not in any threat right now of our pipes freezing right. quite yet. Yeah. Oh, we might get there, but no. Uh, one little shot like that's not going to do it. Yesterday, I I put a poll up on my Twitter that just said on today's Pat Unleashed, do you want to hear these clips from Joe Biden and Kamala Harris from their um, voting rights speeches yesterday? And uh, I will say the audience spoke uh, by a count of 71 to 29 that, uh, no, we do not want to be made angry. We don't want to hear the clips. I'm sorry. We got we to gotta <laughs> play some of these. Because uh, I was going to honor that, those poll results, until I just I started digging through these clips. And, and I listened to the speeches live, and I was, I was absolutely enraged from the lies and just the evil the the way that that this nation is depicted by uh by i should say the way the citizens of this nation how we are depicted by this administration and my gosh here here's here's a here's a a bar game for you see if this administration can give a speech that doesn't reference january 6th I, they can't do it they cannot do it i don't know when they're going to stop they're not but it's it's uh, in everything. Um, first of all, here's a humorous moment. Thank you for sending this one to me, Jill, because uh, I was actually, I just write these off. I just let this go. Like, I didn't pull the clip of him saying, instead of Ebenezer Baptist Church, where he says Ebenezer Bastard Church, He, I swear he said that. And I was like, you know what? That's just, Joe is so bad at everything. Uh, it's not even worth pulling. I guess I should have. But thank you for sending this one because I don't know why he keeps doing this. But uh, listen to this clip uh, where he's uh, talking about uh, Kamala Harris. Last week, President Harris and I what is that? stood in the United States Capitol. Why? Over and over and over it again. It never ends. I wonder, you know, like at some point, is she like going, hey, Joe, like I'm the president, right? Like, how does it get <laughs> into his head? I will say, though, I actually thought he did he did okay like for joe like there's mm -hmm. a there's a different scale for joe right like on the the cognitive level right mm -hmm. now i was like oh joe joe kind of looks with it today good yeah. job good job handlers yeah. whatever he did to him today to prop him up he got through it. it it wasn't great i mean the content of course is terrible right but you know it's we've our expectations have fallen so far that did, I was like, that's actually a pretty good day for him. Did you notice that every time he would say something like, he said, heck, and then he'd say, hell, and he'd say, darn, and then he'd say, damn. Like, he wanted to make it, well, I can cuss. Oh, I'll drop some bad words, yo. Ha, ha. He did like three, four times. What? I don't know. You're not the boss of me. That's right. I'm All the right. president. I got to say what I want. I got to get uh, Eric July involved over there. Um. This is going to be a participation here. I'm going to need you. Uh, if you see the uh, the machine on your right, Eric, there is a play button, and I'm going to need some accompaniment with uh, with this next clip. Hopefully, Corby's ready in there. Um, but uh, let's play uh, the Kamala Harris clip, and uh, Eric, be at the ready over there. One year after a violent mob breached the United States Capitol, the President of the United States and I spoke from its hallowed halls. 
and we made clear. We swore to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. And we will. What a lie. I, maybe, it, maybe it meant more to me, but uh, I thought that seemed very appropriate there. <laughs> Kamala. I almost thought she had an out there as I was listening to it there, uh, going back and listening to it, where she said, and we made clear, like we swore that you know we would defend. And I thought, well, yeah, she did say that. And then at the end, she did say that, uh, and we will. <laughs> when does that begin? You've had a year, still waiting for that one. Um, okay, so during this maddening speech yesterday down in Atlanta, Joe Biden said that um, uh, there's there's people who disagree with with him on on when it comes to voting rights, and they are effectively domestic enemies. And listen to this list that he pours out. Will you stand for democracy? Ugh, democracy. Yes or no? There's one thing every senator, every American should remember. History has never been kind to those who've sided with voter suppression over voters' rights. And it will be even less kind for those who side with election subversion. So I ask every elected official in America, how do you want to be remembered? At consequential moments in history, mm. they present a choice. Do you want to be the side on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace? Democrat. Do you want to be on the side of John Lewis or Bull Connor? Democrat. Do you want to be on the side of Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson Davis? Democrat. This is the moment to decide mm. to defend our elections, to defend our democracy. <coughs> <laughs> And if you do that, you will not be alone. Okay. Let's go back to uh, the Detroit Free Press. Somebody posted this. Grateful for this article from May 1st, 1987, as they are ramping up for the 1988 presidential election. And it reads, Most of the 1988 Democratic presidential candidates agree with Rob on the importance of the South. Senator Joseph Biden of Delaware, for example, tells Southerners that the lower half of his state is culturally part of Dixie. <laughs> so he's making sure that you know he's from a Southern state. Uh, he reminds them that former Alabama Governor George Wallace praised him as one of the outstanding young politicians of America. So... I guess Joe Biden on the side of George Wallace, after all. Uh, actually, I think the biggest takeaway from this article is that Joe Biden at one point was considered young. So that's... Uh, <laughs> that's oh, it's kind of hard, hard to believe. Yeah, that, that's the biggest uh, thing from this uh, biggest takeaway here. So I don't know if, if Joe Biden uh, counts himself as a domestic enemy there, but um, it's amazing how how... He has been on both sides of everything. And I was I was about to say, he's been in the Senate for so long that he's had time to be on the side of everything. <clears throat> but then you think of COVID and he and his administration have been on both sides of, of that uh, within hours of each other. So anyhow. <laughs> Don't have to go back that far. 
No, I mean, did you guys enjoy the speech yesterday? Do do you uh, do you see where this is headed? What are you anticipating for future elections in this country? I, I mean, I've never believed in those anyway, uh, <laughs> not like that. So, um, <laughs> myth as far as I'm concerned. But I do like <laughs> the idea that there's certain people in here are, or like I guess in this country, are like domestic enemies, which basically means you are against the federal government in some kind of way right and um oh then i'm a domestic enemy. yeah i'm i'm, I'm, I'm fine right. I'm, I'm fine with that label uh to be completely <laughs> honest if, if it means being against you guys uh for sure uh, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that and certainly as one of the advocates of the complete dissolving and elimination of the federal government um which is my kind of party um i'm uh i'm, I'm certainly a domestic enemy uh to them for sure um, so I'll take that. I'll, I'll accept that. There's nothing to shy away from. So they, they still allow you to fly, though? For right now, from, right. For, to my knowledge. Yes, um, I know I'm on a few lists, um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I have to be, um, but I'm not I'm not as big of a traveler anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and my job doesn't necessarily, well, unless I'm like on tour, and then I don't have to get on a flight really to do that. We just get on our bus. So if we had an office pool right now, I'm going to write these dates down and, and we'll revisit them because the time will come when we're not allowed on airplanes, okay, without being vaxxed. So let's start. Ladies first. Jill, uh, what's, your, uh, what's your prediction on when the vax mandate, when you must, you cannot travel as of this date if you're not vaxxed? Uh, after the midterms, before the next election, somewhere in between there. So 2023 is what they're if, if they can still push it mm -hmm. and they're it, because they're, they're going to need to do it soon enough if they're going to do it to, to actually have an effectiveness uh, for for some deterrent not to, you know, get the jab or else mm -hmm. that eventually, hopefully, hopefully will go away. OK, you got so a I date? think that it has to pick a date. Uh, April 2023. Okay. So even, I'm just questioning here, even if Republicans somehow take the House or something like that? Well, I mean, it depends on what happens with the federal mandates and gotcha. if they can get those through or not. I mean, that's, I, I don't think that it's going to happen either way, but if it was, I, I would think that it would have to be in that time frame somewhere. Eric? If something like that's going to happen, I think it's going to happen. Uh, they're going to attempt to make that happen sooner. Mm -hmm. um, I do too. Uh, so I would push more towards um i mean to be honest I'm also i'm the one that travels on planes a lot yeah, so yeah, i don't yeah. i don't want it to. i'm that. like you there might that, be yeah. a little wishing in there that's true i'm thinking sometime if that's gonna be a thing i think um we're looking at going into the summer mm. um don't say it uh i think so i'm thinking i'm pushing more towards may okay uh, is is when something like that is going to I'll be... I'll put you down for May 1st. That's fine, yeah. Okay. I think there'll be some sort of attempt then... I'll put you uh, down for April 1st. ...to do it. Like sure. I say, either... I, April I'm not, Fool's Day. I'm not as uh, hyped up on traveling as a lot of other people okay. are. I think it's uh, August so. 1st, uh, 2022 is, right. is my guess. You're uh, just going to okay. ruin my football season. Right, and I'm going to ruin a hunting trip for me. But oh. that's what I've anticipated for the last six months, so... I'll save those and we'll revisit. Right, but we're we're going away though from a lot of the stuff right now. We're we're telling the truth. Are we are we about to face a Democrat party who is going to see the writing on the wall and their power slipping away and doing everything they can to get the most of it at the last minute? I I don't know. I just and 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 wait until you see how 
they run the elections in all of these places where, you know, yesterday Biden is talking about how, oh my gosh, 20-something states have enacted these. No, these we just went through the list yesterday of all of these states that have changed their laws but not done anything to enforce them yet. Here we are, an election year. Not much has changed. I have no faith. Just Just like Eric just said. Like, uh, it's a myth. I mean, that's where I'm at. That's oh, why it's just like, I have no faith that, that, that the Republicans are going to take the House. I, I, if the Republicans take the House, what are they going to do anyway? Exactly. Like, exactly. What is the track record That's show? also the problem, yeah. is that they're not, they're not going to follow through with anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yesterday after the speech, Jill sent me this video. Uh, this is, is it, what's the saying? Two is a coincidence. Three is a trend. Is that is that the, is that how it goes? Oh, it's a trend right now. It's a trend on uh, Jake Tapper exercising some comment. I want to say journalism. It's it's journalism. It's like oh my gosh, you took a nanosecond to Google this. Watch uh, Jake Tapper after the president's speech yesterday talking about uh, voting rights laws. But going over a lot of these election laws, I go, I, I went in preparing for today and I saw. You know what? New Jersey doesn't allow ballot harvesting, and that's a Democratic state. Delaware doesn't allow uh, the kind of uh, early voting that a lot of other states do. Um, how come? But then the journalist in me, as well as the cynic, says, well, how come Democrats only complain about the voting, strict voting regulations in, in red states, in Texas and Georgia, and not in Democratic states like New York? There are only two explanations for this mm. one somebody that gives him his talking points is out with COVID right now so he just doesn't have them <laughs> ah, yes. so somebody somebody that's supposed to be sending him emails is not doing it and you know left to his own devices or the fill-in is not doing his or her job wait a minute wait 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 wait. hold on who was the uh um alleged pedophile who did he oh work yeah for? yeah the the producer he's out that's He's what happened. Gone. He's yeah. got a new producer. That's, that is true. So He's got a producer that isn't right. spending it's, his time it's chasing worse kids. Than COVID. It was a pedophile. Right. You are correct. I totally forgot That's about that. That's what it is. I've, a, I've blocked that out of my mind. It's completely. been a staff change. It, ha- it has been a staff change. Or the second option is somebody kidnapped him and, and he's doing this against his will. That's probably what it is. Hmm. I don't know. Um, that That's certainly interesting. Uh, be, yeah, we mainly keep an because, eye on him. Uh, I mean... Hmm? I, I not, first of all, we know the answer. Um, to I, I at least think I, I know the answer. I mean, I think when again when they get the results that they want, I mean they'll have no issues. Democrats are in the interest of winning. I think people need to understand that more than anything. So if they have to be inconsistent, if they have to be complete hypocrites on a subject matter from yesterday, for that matter, they'll do that. Um, that's just the, the, their nature because they're more so interested in, in, in getting the victory as opposed to um, actually <laughs> having some sort of set of morals or ethics or consistency or anything like that. Um, the authoritarian left in this country plays to win. Mm-hmm. They play to win. Um, and I think the many people kind of realize that the more they can adjust kind of their tactics in terms of how they approach. This is why I've never been the – Though I do it, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, pointing out like their hypocrisy. It's just not as it's not useful in terms of convincing anybody that's already on their particular side because they don't care about that. 
Um, they they I think they're very well aware that they're a hypocrite. They just don't they just don't care. The only people that would dare give a crap about that are people that have already been convinced that they are um, not on their side. Um, maybe a couple of people in the middle, uh, but for the most part, they they don't give a crap about about that. So it's not just with, with elections; it's really with anything. The authoritarian left in their cities and their states or whatever, they will uh, advocate for things that they think gets them the victory. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with being consistent on any given issue. Well, let's say you live in a heavily democratic state and you are needing to get out, as so many have done, by the way. I think 2020 and, and being locked in your home has proven not only to companies but to individuals that I don't need to stay here. I can do this job from some other part of the country entirely. Uh, and they're packing up and they're moving. Well, you even got people that are, <laughs> which is even more hilarious, people that work for like the state, being mm-hmm. like in public school education systems, and they're like out of California, right. or the job is in California, but mm-hmm. they live in Texas. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Or on the complete opposite end of the of the coast. Many of us over at Blaze as yeah. have been covering uh-huh. those those interesting uh, stories. It's these equity officers and these guys with all these fake jobs don't live in these terrible areas. Uh, right. Uh, live in uh, <laughs> r- often redder areas uh, <laughs> despite having jobs in California. Then again, who the hell want to live in California? <laughs> I just want to point out that I'm kind of proud of myself, pat myself on the back here, is that I started a live read and Eric didn't even notice because I was uh, about to tell you about realestateagentsitrust.com. <laughs> You like that? Well, I got oh, a that's, that's, a, that's a real laugh. That's a that's laugh. That's a real laugh. <laughs> that's a laugh right there. Uh, real estate agents I trust. Glenn's company uh, get you out of a blue state and into a, a, a common sense red state. <laughs> when you have the kind of agents who work uh, with us working for you, you can uh, rest assured you're going to be in the hands of a capable team of people who will sell your uh, see your selling process through from the day you interview them. That's what you get to do. You get to interview them. How cool is that? Uh, until the moment you sign on the dotted line. Uh, and the same goes for buying a home. Uh, when you choose your agent through Real Estate Agents I Trust, you've just partnered yourself to a competitive winning machine, a team of people who are going to see it through to the end for you. Real Estate Agents I Trust. The name says it all. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Returns. That's a lie. That's not accurate. Okay, so yesterday, Joe Biden, I mean, they're going to get this done. Come hell or high water. And by the way, they're most likely going to get Build Back Better done as well. Same way. And how they're going to do this, it's going to be ending the filibuster, as Joe Biden urged yesterday. Let the majority prevail. And if that bare minimum is blocked, we have no option but to change the Senate rules, including getting rid of the filibuster for this. Just for this. Just just for this, guys. It's just going to be for this. Yeah, just for this. Okay, so um, flashback, as is so easy to do with someone who has been in politics for over half a century. Let's roll the tape from 2005 Joe Biden. And we should make no mistake... This nuclear option is ultimately an example of the arrogance of power. It is a fundamental power grab 
by the majority party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's kind of what's happening here, is it not? Yeah, I said that last segment about, yeah. again, <laughs> being being on the opposite side of doing the, they're in the business of winning, man. Yep. They're in the business of winning, and this is why people shouldn't trust as much in these institutions. Um, because again, they're not they're not in the business of remaining consistent on anything. Yeah, so. they're in the business of winning, but when they look ahead to the future, do they realize that they're not always going to be the party in power? They don't care. I, I know, but this is it's just one of those things. Like, do you really do you really want to do this? Like when you when you think this through, which is again difficult to do. I I know that we're asking you to actually think months, if not years ahead, which people in this country are now terrible at doing. It's only today <laughs> it's instant today. gratification. It's this afternoon that's at the furthest out. <laughs> you you can't just say that this is a good idea. We've all known forever that this is not this is not going to be beneficial for the country to to get rid of the filibuster. Tell him I don't care. <laughs> they they they're in the business of winning. So uh, right and right now and and right now. So I don't think they. Yeah, I mean it may be short sighted, um, but again they're they're in the business of winning. And they're they and, and dubs. they have to deal with a media that's not going to call them on this hypocrisy either. Oh, you know? yeah. So well, it doesn't matter. I don't know if they got that. the memo. Jake Tapper is asking that's, questions this week, know, so maybe right? of all weeks, maybe this is a good week right, to so do this. When you change your producer i wonder what's he what's he doing these days that other producer do we what's the latest on that not in prison i don't know he might be he might be waiting i have no idea honestly uh all right so so after this uh discussion of the filibuster yesterday i posted this on twitter for the audience and hopefully you have thought about it here um if democrats in the filibuster and a simple majority rules the day in the senate and then let's say later this year the republicans win control this is this is a bunch of hypotheticals here. In theory, what are some things you would want the GOP? Yes, I know they won't. Okay, I got that. That's not part of this exercise. What what are some things you would like to see the GOP push through under this new way of doing business in the Senate? And a lot of good responses here. We've got term limits, uh, single page bills, flat tax, abolish the IRS. Yes, return the balanced budget, constitutional carry, school choice, repeal Patriot Act. Oh, Eric's listening now. <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream. Yes. Ice cream for all. Let's make it happen. Uh, end abortion completely. And yes, I can get behind this one 100%. Dismantle the FBI. I think I hear Eric again on board. Um, I mean, I, parties, I'm man. constantly asking for that. Uh, uh, the FBI. I mean, if, I, if you could get rid of one federal department... You only can do one. Only one. Who's it going to be, you guys? Uh, man, it would probably, for me, have to be the IRS. Okay. For sure. I mean, the IRS is a good answer. I sure know the Federal is. Reserve is not a is not a federal right, right. deal, but, it is, can, but I, it isn't. can I squeeze that in? Is that I acceptable? No, I guess. How about, yeah, you know what? Let's all get our way. Well, in that Let's way, you can get, get the IRS, you can get the Federal Reserve, and yeah. I'll do the FBI. And speaking of the FBI, and if we got all three of those, yeah, right, we're, we're right, we've made some good progress today. Well, uh, yesterday on Capitol Hill, and um, oh, excellent job, Keith, setting this up. And we're not going to have time before the break here, but you know how the right has uh, correctly so taken Ted Cruz to the woodshed the last several days before calling January sixth. 
a um, terrorist uh, attack on the Capitol there. And yesterday he was uh, talking with an FBI official and his line of questioning was absolutely beautiful. Oh, so we're going to play that coming up after the break. But I want to tell you, there was the uh, Capitol Police chief um, was uh, talking and this was the other day. He was asked about when is the Capitol going to reopen to the public? Because the public hasn't been allowed there in over a year. Um, quote, we've got a ways to go before we can reopen the campus. He said at a House hearing, uh, we're going to um, need some more time, end quote. So do you think we will ever have access to the Capitol, at least while the Democrats are in power? I don't know. When, when will the public be allowed at the Capitol again? Do you see that day coming? Because I don't feel it. I feel like it's going to be Capitol City, and it's just gonna, we're going to keep having more and more security fences and perimeters as time goes on, not less and less. I mean, those days are, they're gone. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening. Any tours coming up? Any I, I still tours? think that you're going to have like the high school kids that travel in from mm. across the country. I still think they're going to be allowed in, mm-hmm. but it's going to have to be like an organizational group tour and like then, that. Then they line up for days out front, and, and they get the metal detectors, the bomb sniffing dogs. Probably take your clothes off completely just to get in. TSA. TSA. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. It's going to be that. the TSA to visit the Capitol. All right. You got to play this Ted Cruz clip with the FBI person here coming up here. More Pat Gray Unleashed with Eric and Jill. Pat Gray returns. Mm. Well, there's uh, that's Rob Borowski's voice. He's out with the COVID, introducing a show uh, whose namesake is out with the COVID, Pat Gray. So here we are. I'm Keith Malinak with Eric July and Jill Savage this week, uh, getting you through. Now, something that Eric said during the break that, and correct me if I'm wrong, something to the effect of you would like to see just the uh, federal government be dissolved, right, yes. and not exist. Yes. And I think I'm on that same level with yes. you. But let's say there's someone at a water cooler later today and they're having a conversation about how out of control this government is mm. and they say something like that. And then the question back to them is, okay, and replace it with what? Nothing. Now, if you <laughs> I, you may not even need so, I was I was so gonna quick. I was gonna look at the clock. I was gonna say, All I, right, so I, I can I sixty can, seconds yeah. go. I can do that. But you replace it with nothing. When you replace a cancer, you don't replace that with anything. Or when you remove it, you don't replace it with anything. So we don't want to replace it with anything now. Now ideally I could I mean, we could take this bad boy all the way down to the individual in terms of these, this decentralization. But I think at minimum, at least in my lifetime, I think it is very realistic for the federal government to completely be completely dissolved. And at minimum, the uh, states as they exist right now will become nation states um, effectively. Now, the reason why a lot of people are scared, scared of that idea mm-hmm. is because um, they have been conditioned to believe that as it exists right now, it's the only way that it could possibly exist. Now, the idea of 50 nation states for one, isn't a bad thing, but you can, of course, still have some sort of com- level of camaraderie and some level of uh, some sort of defense packs or whatever. But the federal government ruling over all of us, why on earth will, do we need, I almost called them something, people in Washington doing that? 
There it is. I have a follow-up question. Yeah. Okay. How do you get from A to B? Well, hold on. And, and before you say that, mm-hmm. I'm going to have... Um, well, yours is more chronological, and then we'll get to mine, because mm-hmm. there, your coworker is going to have questions. Yep. But yeah, So the first one would be, well, how does that happen, Eric? Well, it can happen in a, 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 a multiple... <laughs> another success. <laughs> uh, no, no, but seriously, like I don't think there's any one way to make that happen. Um, so whether it happened by way of referendum or whether there was some sort of state, let's say you got what's going down right now in like New Hampshire with free staters, uh, you got like this sort of t- Texas secession movement, which is continues oh, to grow. I should have worn my new shirt. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that continues to happen. I do think if something like that happened, it would be momentous mm. at that point where people would see a state do it and realize that the world isn't just going to explode once it happens. And then they're like, oh, I think I want in on that as well. Uh, why that? Why do they get to leave and not be ruled over by this massive uh, govern, mm-hmm. governing body or, or, or whatever? So however it happens, I will accept it. But it has happened in recent history, and people need to stop pointing to the freaking Civil War as some example of uh, uh, secessionism because it's a terrible example. Okay, so let's say a state, let's just take Texas, mm-hmm. you know. Which I have a new shirt uh, that I received for Christmas that says uh, "American until Texas secedes." <laughs> I like that. I wish I was wearing that I like right now. That. So uh, a state, let's just take Texas, says, "Eh, we're out." You know, Abbott calls a press conference today. Let's just say that the the state legislature says you know, they vote, and yep, we're no longer part of the U.S. Sorry. Okay. Federal government obviously isn't going to let the state of Texas just leave the union without a big fight. Mm-hmm. So I guess my question to you is, <coughs> is Texas being successful in this all hinging on other states doing this? No, I don't think at all. Time? I don't think at all. I think... Hmm. Um, um, you don't think shots no. would be fired? I, I, no, nah, not not like that. No, I, I don't think... I think before something like that would, would happen, people need to understand... Definitely in this day and age, it's one thing for like, let's say, the military to go to bomb brown people in Af- in Afghanistan or something like that. It's another for them to take it out on what no, it wouldn't be anymore their own citizen. Uh, re and definitely when you consider in pockets of the South, how many of those are? Have you seen are, the rhetoric around? January 6th and when yeah, I hear but, the big lie right. the big lie to right. me is the federal government spin on what happened on January right. 6th and, 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 they'll, and, and they'll necessarily do that but to an entire definitely an independent block Look, like like Texas I don't I don't see that as a realistic are trying to make an example yes. of these people who are now in solitary confinement. A lot of them are. Yeah. You don't think they're going to just no, do that no, on a No, they, not not at a level at a, at a not at a level that massive and even if they try so what like I, I, and I'm I'm saying that genuinely. So what? So let's let's assume. What side? What side of the, conversation does, does the average infantryman? What does he do? If that's he's, a, that's if he's, a great if, question. If he's at in Colleen, Texas not as, right now, yeah, and he gets called up to put down this resur- this insurrection. I, <laughs> no, I think I think you're going to probably get more of a like half and half type of thing. I think there are going to be some. Um, I'm not as, but no, no bullets are gonna be shot. I, I'm not gonna say that it will be completely like, let's say, nonviolent. Definitely for the for the first one. I'm just saying to happen for something like that to happen in mass, definitely for a, a geographical area as big as Texas, and especially as armed uh, as as what Texas is. I don't even think that's a, a lot of problem that a lot of military okay. folk now uh, want to be dealing with. I'm gonna use a sports analogy here, Jill. Texas and Oklahoma. Um, on the down low, 
uh, decided to leave the Big 12 for the SEC. That was a big deal. That was a very big deal. People and, are and really just, mad. And they just said, surprise, we're leaving. Would it not take something like some sort of agreement between states like that, that they all at the same time go, surprise, we're leaving. Here we go. Be a convention of states. And then on top of that, how do you convince the public? Yes that don't live in these states where maybe it is popular to float the idea of secession, mm-hmm. that they're not treasonous. And then then, don't care. Then, then the PR machine kicks into gear. Don't care. Like, this is my thing. Like, I think those sorts of terms, whether it be treason and what is deemed as patriotic, a lot of these terms are just fluff words to convince people to protect the regime that exists right now. So if they call you that, who the, who the hell cares? At the end of the day, that's what I say. You can call them. Like, <laughs> we were just talking about it the other segment where, what do they call us? The enemies of... Uh, Demo- uh, domestic uh, enemies, domestic ah, enemies, cool. Yeah. Embrace it. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that would be another good t-shirt to have. <laughs> yeah, domestic, domestic, domestic enemy. enemy. Oh. Uh, no, but seriously, like, <laughs> yes. like, we've seen decentralization efforts that have happened. I need people to really start to be more mindful of this idea. I think everybody defaults to the Civil War because they look at it like, oh, it's an American example. Those are completely different times. Technology certainly is in advance. We live in a far more peaceful time. And even in, I know it doesn't feel that way because everybody's mm-hmm. connected to things. But believe it or not, you live right now in the most peaceful time in human history. I, know. Uh, I human tell history. my kids this all uh, this the time. Is, this is a reality. This mm-hmm. is the this is the honest to God, God's truth. But people point to things like, I don't know, China or something like that. And, oh, this is what they want. I'm like, yeah, do, do they really or uh, does that even uh, uh, does that even matter? But you've had Brexit. You've had even check even in some of, of our lifetime, Czechoslovakia like these. There are these have been decentralization efforts. And believe it or not, your, your beloved country was founded on exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Exactly that. So, hey, and by the way, for you patriots out there who love to tout out. 1776 and uh, July 4th and all of that. I would encourage you to actually read the damn documents that <laughs> these guys actually parade because did you not know that in the Declaration of Independence, Preach. this literally is in there. Oh. It is the right of the people to uh, alter uh, or abolish know, the government. It is, in, it is in there. It is in there. This is not my So Even by your own <laughs> beloved founders uh, and, and their terminology, what I am saying is even in line with uh-huh. that. Joe, it only took two and a half days, and we got Eric to wake up in a very big way over there. Uh, here's a counterpoint from Daguerre Bear, Pat Head, who chimes in on Twitter, at uh, Pat Unleashed. Counterpoint to Eric D. July. Normally, yes, our military wouldn't move on civilians, but now we're purging, he says fundamentalists from the military. I would say, you know, good people who, like, for example, don't want to mm-hmm. succumb to the shot uh, or don't want to serve under a Marxist uh, uh, administration, uh, purging these people from the military in favors the, of those that just follow orders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. about that a lot. I, 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 th- I don't think that's a, uh, that's a thing that's not a, a, a thing. Like I've said, I do believe that there are people that would do whatever the regime um, says. In fact, I would argue that there's probably more of them than people give them mm. uh, credit to. And this, you know, we can talk about military. We can talk po- about police officers in that regard mm-hmm. as well. But the people who actually went in, I mean, some of the most prominent libertarians, for example, that I know are former military folk, um, mainly because they've seen it firsthand how dog crap this government is <laughs> and how they had to be the unfortunate lackeys of the of the state and doing their their bidding. 
But those people didn't just, I don't know, disappear just because they're no longer in the military. I mean, we talk about militia groups and private militias all the time. I think this is certainly the uh, the time that something like that could at least stand. And, and oftentimes, it doesn't need to be some sort of armed conflict in order for people to get what it is that they want. Just even the threat of people. And this is why, I mean, we talk about this all the time. Why is it that the United States doesn't end up like with Australia? And everybody always points to the guns, <laughs> right? And, and, and the fact that there's a, we're more armed and all of that, what, does that not apply Apply here? Um, in that regards, there's a, not a, there's a lot of folks who are trained uh, to use weaponry in the event that they have to. Mm-hmm. It's not like the military is just going to come over and it's just going to uh, be like a free free ball game here and they're just going to be, a, uh, what we're stopping this and this is over. No, there's a lot of people that say... Right. No, which is what we want. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want some conflict, we'll have to we'll have to take it there. But I don't think you want those problems. I'm willing to just uh, go with Plan A, which was uh, no IRS, no Federal Reserve, and no FBI. Jill, did you have anything to add to this discussion? Yeah, definitely didn't see the 50 state secession uh, coming up today in a show. But I'm kind of <laughs> glad. Uh, that's always that, a threat if I'm on that it. We've, uh, <laughs> that we've gone down that road and. Keith, I'm with you. I, I'd be happy if we just got rid of the FBI at this baby point steps, in time. Right? Like baby step. Like step one, <laughs> FBI. Step two, right? It's the okay. it's the South Park. It's the underpants gnomes. The <laughs> step one, steal the underpants. Step yeah. two, eh, question mark. Step three, <laughs> profit. Okay, all right. Well, um, we actually started this segment. I wanted to get into the FBI and Ted Cruz. Uh, Capitol Hill yesterday, talking to that uh, FBI official. It's good stuff. Oh, but before this clip begins, Sean. Um, Ray Epps, uh, if you haven't seen the videos, uh, he was, um, it's, it's pretty obvious to everyone with half a brain that the man works for the federal government. Okay. And, in in some way, shape or form, some way, shape or form, we don't know what. So the night of January 5th, he is seen encouraging people to march to the Capitol tomorrow. We're going to get inside and he's trying to rile up the crowd. The crowd's even calling him fed. Uh, outing him right there and then um right before they break through the barricades for the first time he whispers in one of the guy's ears who then charges the police officers so that's the video that's been going around i don't think we've played him on this show um ray epps is his name and so that's the context for what ted cruz is about to talk about i want to turn to the fbi how many fbi agents or confidential informants actively participated in the events of january 6th Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. uh, Did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? Uh Uh-oh. Hello? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Don't ya? Well... There are a lot of people who are understandably very concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow, we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange 
that the crowd began chanting, Fed, 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 Fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a Fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. So the yes. next day. Yes. The next day. On January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Oh, wait. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Hello? Sir, similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. So, yes. Oh, Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post Watch listing, this. seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals, in the bottom there, is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted, and then, sometime later, magically, oh, wait, what? Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. Wow. According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. Oh, no one's oh, 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 explained why a person videoed urging people to oh, go to the oh, Capitol, oh, oh, a person oh. whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sanburn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, Eric this is a question that. of a public accountability. <laughs> Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. No. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Mm, mm, mm. I think the fact that Ray Epps appeared on the FBI's uh, we need to question these people uh, for their involvement with January 6th and then being removed. Well, first of all, it shows a couple of things. It shows that um, there's something very unique about Mr. Epps. It also shows that, that it doesn't matter what level at all on the federal government. There is so poor communication between the left hand and the right hand that somebody didn't tell whoever was posting the pictures that no, 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 don't put that one up there. But anyway, Eric July would never believe that the federal government would instigate uh, an attack no, on the well, federal government. Uh, they're so trustworthy and, and shit exist. So, of course, they'd never do anything like that. Yeah. See, look, they're Eric's coming around. I'm coming around. He likes, I'm coming to states. <laughs> I mean, we... I thought that segment we would get to all of the Rand Paul versus Dr. Fauci clips. We'll try it after the break. And uh, don't forget, uh, we're also going to talk about the Great Reset coming up here on Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray Unleashed. Yeah, all right. Keith, Eric, and Jill are here instead. Uh, the COVID continues to march along here. Um, I had asked earlier, okay, if you get rid of the filibuster, let's say Republicans have power. It doesn't matter in this case. Just, you know, your side had power. What would you like to see them cram through without uh, uh, the, the filibuster getting in the way? Uh, Rowdy Introvert says, uh, ice cream for all. I mean, you know, that sounds like a proposed uh, Biden policy anyway. 
it very well may be part of the Build Back Better plan. Now, would you be on board if Ice Cream for All was part of the Build Back Better plan? No, he's not. It's going to be more expensive if we have to do it through the federal government. So I can buy ice cream for like three bucks. I can. Do we know is. I can still do that. I hope Senator Manchin's indifferent toward ice cream. But with inflation, it might be like 20 bucks soon. You never know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Texas Lori D. uh, Eric D. July has chortled a couple of times. Does that constitute a laugh? Eric? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> he says right. yes. All right. DMXDM, the only way to ensure a victory in 2022 is through stimulus and lockdowns. They need a new virus and something out there is brewing. In fact, it sounds like two somethings. You really have to dig to find news on what's happening in China right now. And it's uh, in the town of, uh, it's, pretty, it's, it's spelled uh, XI apostrophe A-N, and it's uh, pronounced uh, Xi'an, apparently, and uh, it's in China there, and they're talking about two separate epidemics with a virus that seems similar to COVID-19. Keep an eye on that. And you know what? Could the timing be more perfect to be sending athletes from around the world to China with this brewing? They've locked down the city of 13 million people. Yeah, the the Olympic Games start February 3rd, but uh, let's just send everybody over there once more. Let's see how this goes. I'm sure what could go wrong. You got to wall off. It'll be fine. You got to wall off China. I mean, at this point, I just, it's just out of control. Um, Oh, update. People have been asking, you know, we did our NFL picks before the season started. Uh, Myself, Pat, Jeffy, and Stu. And just to let y'all know, um, Jeffy. Myself and Pat, all three of us, ended with uh, two correct picks and three incorrect picks. Uh, oh, and look, there's Stu with one correct pick and four incorrect. Stu will be buying lunch uh, for the other three of us, so I'm looking forward to that vegan treat that he'll probably bring in. But, uh, boy, we Stu basically was the suckiest of the sucks. Because we all did terrible this year. I'm not proud of that. I'm sure you would have done much better, right, Jill? This is this is what we do. This is what we do. Okay. So a lot going on uh, up on Capitol Hill yesterday. Oh, you know, the Pfizer CEO clip that we played yesterday yes. that was tweeted out by our CEO, Tyler Carden, uh, it got pulled down, shockingly, um, where he was saying, look... This jabs failed, you know. This okay. I, I'm. I'll, I'll. I'll be fair here. No, he's like this. This isn't adequate for this. This one isn't either. So you're gonna need a fourth one to be ready for Omicron uh, in March. Correct. Even though Omicron is ripping through now, the, don't be distracted by that. Uh, we're gonna get your fourth shot. It's gonna help with that come March. And that's all. I mean, that's what it was. And. They claimed that um, the owner of this clip, that's what they do. What, what does it say there, Joe? Yeah, Tyler tweeted out, uh, LOL, the copyright <laughs> owner of the video submitted a takedown notice. The clip was from uh, Borla's interview at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. I wonder who owns the copyright and submitted the takedown notice. Yeah. Uh, damage control in full exactly. effect. So when they can't say that's misinformation, right? instead they pull the, oh, uh, we don't give you permission to use that card. Right. Well, and Twitter right now, currently trending, an interview with CDC director uh, Dr. Rochelle Walensky has been edited, taken out of context. Oh, no. Fact checkers say, right? So it's it's both. It's the same story here, right? Uh One clip has been taken down and then Walensky has been 
now saying, oh, 75% of cases that we've, that we've seen, they're actually just with COVID, not from COVID. Right. And that was making the circles, uh-huh. the rounds yesterday as well. And oh, we can't have either one of those out. So what do we do? We're, we're losing the narrative. We're gonna- so we, we have to control mm-hmm. it once more. So Twitter, in its best efforts, yes. using fact checkers. We're about to find out if Jake Tapper is truly changed because he has been questioning with and from COVID. Now I want to see him address this on social media, trying to protect Walensky and the federal government that Eric July loves so much. It's funny because that story there, because what they're referring to, and I'll just give people a bit of a backstory. It was um, a tweet and because Eric think one of the uh, Trump's kids tweeted it out. Um, I knew once he, once he got a hold of it and then started making his rounds, a bunch of people were going to be upset. But what happened out of that is that they're claiming that what is taken out of context is that she wasn't referring to all of the deaths regarding uh, COVID. She was actually only. It, it, but what you missed from that is that it actually sounds a lot worse. Uh, because uh, in the context, because the context is that there was a study that was done. that was talking about the vaccinated uh, and how they had died and had four plus uh, uh, comorbidities. Um, uh, um, and, and that was like 75 percent of that thousand pool or something uh, uh, like that of, of deaths or something. And so I guess she was trying to say, well, they were basically on their way out anyway um, uh, and, and, and didn't want to accept that, OK, maybe maybe this isn't as effective as what we needed it to be. So but when it's worded like that and you look at that actual context, it almost seems uh Seem, seems worse, at least pointing to the efficiency of these uh, the, these uh, initial vaccine vaccinations. So the added context to me doesn't actually help the situation anyway. Right. So in other words, uh, there is nothing but death and destruction from COVID when we need to scare you. But when we need to show that we have everything under control, then it's out of context. And there's a whole bunch of variables involved that you little people don't get. Uh, I just updated my screen and Twitter once again trying to help us because that's what they do. Uh, Now trending on Twitter, a letter from the NIH shows the coronavirus research is not genetically related to the current COVID-19 pandemic fact checkers report. So the Project Veritas stuff basically that came out and they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want you looking at that. Just listen to us. There's nothing to see here. It's always impressive how they can just say, well, our experts said that it it can't. It's not true. So nothing to see here. (laughs) I'm like, are there people that actually run with that with that nonsense as if like they only have access to the I guess the smartest groups of of, of, of people. You know Uh, that. Yeah, I guess they're only employed by social media outlets. (laughs) Now at the. uh, Senate hearing yesterday where they had Fauci and uh, Walensky and some others up there answering questions. Uh, it came out that, um, I, I love this, uh, HHS is procuring COVID tests from a company that only imported vodka before the pandemic. HHS doesn't even know if their tests can detect Omicron, but nonetheless, they're giving them $200 million of your money uh, for the tests. I... I Two hundred million dollars in vodka might be better. I was about to say, like, I'm not, I'm not judging this company based on their expertise. You know, the vodka. Yeah, he's moved from vodka to pandemic. You know, 
But uh, I, I like your idea better. Let's give them $200 million. Because at this point, the nation needs $200 million worth of vodka. Uh, okay. Um, Dr. Fauci was uh, up in front of the Senate yesterday. And wow, was it entertaining. And first of all, dude... His conflicting um, answers on do masks work? Do they not? Should you wear them? Should you not? Does it matter? Was on display just early on with the questioning because he he had his mask off but then i think he realized that and i'm talking about when he's answering the questions right okay and then then he notices that that his cohorts up there are answering with their masks on so he puts his mask on to answer it's just so weird and then finally he's just like ah forget it i'll do it without the mask i mean mr science obviously mr consistent but that was entertaining as a side note of itself there. But uh, Rand Paul had some fun. Dr. Fauci, we got a three-parter here. Uh, This was some fun stuff. Let's start with uh, clip one where they're uh, talking about uh, Rand Paul's bringing up uh, other doctors who have got some things to say about Dr. Fauci. In an email exchange with Dr. Collins, you conspire, and I quote here directly from the email, to create a quick and devastating published takedown of three prominent epidemiologists from Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. Apparently there's a lot of fringe epidemiologists at Harvard, (laughs) Oxford, and Stanford. And you quote in the email that they were from Dr. Collins and you you agree that they are fringe. Immediately there's this takedown effort. A published takedown though, you know, doesn't exactly conjure up the image of a dispassionate scientist. Instead of engaging them on the merits, you and Dr. Collins sought to smear them as fringe and take them down and not in journals, in lay press. This is not only antithetical to the scientific method, it's the epitome of cheap politics, and it's reprehensible, Dr. Fauci. Do you really think it's appropriate to use your $420,000 salary to attack scientists that disagree with you? The, The email you're referring to was an email of Dr. Collins to me, if you look at the email... That you responded to and hurried up and said, I can do it, I can do it, we got something in Wired no, magazine. No, 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 I think in you usual did. fashion, Senator, you are distorting everything about me. Did you First ever object all, to Dr. Collins' characterization of them as fringe? Did you write back to Dr. Collins and say, no, they're not fringe, they're esteemed scientists, and it would be beneath me I, I did to not do that? Be- you responded to him that you would do it, and you immediately got an article you, in Wired, you, you, and you sent it back to him and said, hey, look, I've got him. I nailed him in Wired of all scientific That's not what went on. You there you go again. That you was just do the same thing every hearing. That was your response. And so, this, wasn't, so, this wasn't the only time. So your desire to take you're down people... You're incorrect. As usual, Senator, you no. are incorrect. Almost everything you Well, said. no, you deny. You deny. Right. But the emails tell the truth of this. No. Mm. Emails tell the truth of this, as they have for quite a while now with Dr. Fauci. I don't watch reality TV, but I feel like this is what it would be like, is is the two of them <laughs> right. kind of going at it. We've, we've built the characters up now over mm-hmm. over time, yeah. and, and now we're, we're going back to storylines. <laughs> this, this is the biggest rivalry in Washington, D.C. since Henry Clay and Andrew Jackson. No, this is, uh, this is fun. Uh, uh, and it continued here with uh, Rand Paul and the attack. This wasn't the only time. Your desire to take down those who disagree with you didn't stop with Harvard, Oxford, and Stanford. You conspired with Peter Daszak, who you communicated with privately, and other members of the scientific community that wrote opinion pieces for Nature, 
Five of them signed a, a paper for Nature, an opinion piece. Seventeen signed a paper that called it conspiracy theory, the idea that the virus could have originated right. in the lab. Do you think words like conspiracy theory should be in a scientific paper? Senator, I never used that word when I was referring to it. You're distorting virtually everything. Did you communicate with the five scientists who wrote the opinion piece in Nature? Mm. Were they were describing, oh, this, there's no way this could that have come from, was from the lab? me. What did I you did, talk with any of those see, scientists but privately? You keep, the, you keep distorting you? the truth. It is, it is you stunning talk, how you, you do talk that. Did you talk to any of the scientists them, privately yes. who wrote the opinion? You oh. did. Well, what were they telling you privately? Well, let me explain. You know you're going back to that original discussion when I brought together a group of people to look at every possibility with an open mind. So you, not only are you distorting it, you were completely turning it around, as Were most you of the scientists do. that came to you privately, did they come to you privately and say, no way this came from the lab? Or was their initial impression, Dr. Gary and Dr. others that were involved, was their initial impression actually that it looked very suspicious for a virus you know, that came from a lab? Senator, we are here at a committee okay. to look at Not a, the a virus no. now that has killed almost 900,000 people. And the purpose of the committee was to try and get things out, how we can help to get the American public. And you keep coming back to personal attacks on me that have absolutely uh -oh. no relevance uh -oh. to reality. Do you think anybody has had more influence let, over let a response to this than uh -oh. you have? Do you, Madam, think it's a great success? Do you think it's a great success what's happened what? so far? Do you think <laughs> you, the lockdowns are good for our kids? Do you think we slowed down the death rate? More people have died now under President Biden than did under President Trump. You are the one responsible. You are the architect. You are the lead yep. architect for the response from the government. Uh, yep. And now 800,000 people have died. Facts. I mean, those are just, those are just facts. Uh, <laughs> it's funny how the guy making the most sense just happens to be a libertarian. Uh, it's also even oh, e even funnier. It's funny we talk about decentralization. I would encourage people to understand who his father is. Aha! Uh -huh. What he that. was advocating. You had to act like Republicans. Let me criticize Republicans again. Uh, before I, I, I forget, before I forget, yeah. Rand Paul will be on. I just checked Glenn's uh, guest calendar yes, today. He is on bottom of hour three on his radio show. So yeah. I'll be listening to that. But uh, yeah, obviously his father being uh, Ron Paul and the fact that the Republicans had a chance to have him twice and instead you wanted Mitt Romney. <laughs> Do and you ever John think of McCain. where America would be today if Ron oh, man, Paul we, had we been elected? No way. We probably wouldn't be even having this uh, <laughs> uh, discussion right now if you y'all actually wanted liberty um, and getting <laughs> Rand Paul. But no, on a serious note, I believe what he's talking about, what, what Rand Paul um, is, and, and you did see a concerted effort to try to uh, delegitimize certain scientists um, of like Jay Budachara and uh, guys that had signed the, uh, was it the Barrington, the great, what is it, the Barrington, uh, Barrington Declaration? Declaration, yep. Uh, was what it, Very important. Uh, yes, where it was a bunch of scientists and doctors that actually uh, co-signed. Yes, these were very respected. Uh, uh, co-signed ending of um, like... The uh, the lockdowns at the time. Yeah, they and, said and, everything that we've been saying on yes. talk radio two years ago that don't, 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 don't do the lockdowns because <sighs> there's going to be more harm right. than good that comes from these. And everyone was like, oh, well, you're, you want people to die. Yeah. No, and, no, no, no. And no. They we, don't were want, called, we don't want freedom to die. Right. Okay. They were called fringe and, and, and the typical kind of uh, public health experts that are out there, be it Fauci and all of that, really wanted to, it, it seemed, focus on those types because I think they, they found them as, okay, well, they have just the same amount of credentials as we do and they are saying something that we disagree with 
And we can't have that um, because it kind of derails our, our narrative. And this is why I believe that Fauci would pivot on this and he would act like uh, essentially saying, I, I am the science. Or saying, if you basically criticize me, then you're criticizing uh, science. The science is settled, right? It's it's the climate change argument all over again. This is where they learned it. They they know, okay, if we just shut down every, yes. you know, we're, it, even if it's a prominent voice, we're just going to call them a fringe voice from the beginning and we're not going to let them right. get yep. any traction yep. and, and really question our narrative. Now, when we come back here, because now you've got uh, Dr. Fauci, who is uh, on the defensive now. Um, he has not answered anything, quite frankly, <laughs> and he's about to uh, uh, fight back like a, like an animal that's been backed into a corner, and uh, he's going to do that next. We're going to take a break, come back with those uh, extra clips here coming up on Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray. Okay, let's finish up the uh, Rand Paul versus Dr. Fauci. Fauci's back in the corner. He has refused to answer anything thus far. And then the theatrics come out. So go to Rand Paul website and you see fire Dr. Fauci with a little box that says contribute here. You can do five, $10, $20, $100. So you are making a catastrophic epidemic for your political gain. So the you only have thing politically that, the only attacked thing your can, colleagues uh, and in a politically reprehensible the way attacked that their reputations. Okay, you we, won't defend it. No, you won't well, argue it. I'm You'll just simply turn around the attack. We're going to continue this hearing. Uh, we yeah. have a number of questions. Yeah, he's not done playing the victim. One, yeah. one more minute. Yeah, here. Please, well, Dr. My, Fauci, I, I really appreciate your response, but we do have a number of no, um, he's questions from senators, and we do have a second round, and I'm being asked to make sure that everybody has their time. So thank you. Thank you very much for allowing me, Madam Chair. Oh, shoot. This isn't the clip where he uh, goes on to talk about all the death threats that he's gotten, and he blames uh, Rand Paul specifically for that. And so I failed to send that clip in. My apologies. Uh, It just never ends with him. He didn't answer anything the entire time. But after he did play that card of the victim and Rand Paul, you're the reason why someone wished me dead, uh, Rand Paul came back later and said this. Dr. Fauci, it's it's disappointing for you to suggest that people who dare to question you are responsible somehow for violent threats. Realize that by attacking me, you're attacking the one member who actually has suffered from violent attacks. Mm. I was at the ball field today. Steve Scalise almost died. I was 10 feet away from a staffer who was shot in the leg. We had over 160 rounds of semi-automatic weapons fired at us, ammunition. So for you to somehow suggest that somehow... I or people who dare to oppose you are responsible for threats. That's insulting. The person who shot at us and almost killed Steve Scalise was a uh, rabid supporter of Bernie Sanders. But the one thing you'll find if you look at the record is that not one of us accused Bernie Sanders of being responsible for that. So this is the kind of ignorant sort of personal attacks that you've engaged in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The day democracy almost uh, died. Yeah. A little bit more relevant uh, in the terms of the, you know, the baseball field That's, that day than anything that happened on January sixth. Yeah, yeah. Republicans don't have that date memorized. Maybe they should. Uh, what is it? It was in June, right? I don't know. We'll look it up. Yeah. Yes. And then remember June, whatever day it was. Yes. Well, okay. We don't have much time here. We have a guest coming up, but we haven't addressed the last couple of days the DARPA thing. 
Um, Jill, real quick, tell us the bombshell that Project Veritas uh, came out with yesterday. Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically just everything that we have been questioning about COVID and and the origins of it and the fact that it came from the the DoD in DARPA uh, mm-hmm. in some secret folders, right? And then they right. were they were cl- they were asked about this and they said no, if it was classified information, it shouldn't be labeled under this secret folder. Mm-hmm. It should be out in the open. I'm I'm happy to go and look into this. Uh, but basically. It's everything that we had been questioning Mm -hmm. uh, for two years as to the origins of COVID that they knew from 2018, 2019, before before any of this happened. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to the opening segment of yesterday's Steve Dace program here on The Blaze, I would encourage you to. Uh, There's a lot of information that's contained from that document that he goes through about how they they said something along the lines of uh, it escaped uh, from the lab in August of 2019 um, that um, ivermectin and I can never say hydroxychloroquine. Thank you so much. Uh, that that is a good early treatment. And they said that in, I believe, April of 2020. And then they sought to crush that. Uh, We need to find out why. Um, and, uh, there was some other, uh, just incredible bombshell. Oh, how, how virulent, uh, the, 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 uh, what they were manipulating in that lab was created to be. And here we are. Um, and through the vaccines and, and everything, like you're saying though, Steve Dace, he came out of the gate swinging after yeah. his oh. Christmas and New Year's break that he had. He oh, came back yes. on the air on Monday, yeah, there were Monday lo- and Tuesday, man. A lot of levels were peaked in the uh, other room there from uh, all the way from Iowa uh, the last few days. And I love Steve Dace. So if you do want a quick crash course and don't want to read the Project Veritas document yourself, um, the thing is, uh, anyway, listen to the first segment of yesterday's Steve Day show. The thing is, the gentleman whose name is attached to this is still out there, and uh, we need to subpoena him. Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you. Yesterday, James O'Keefe came out after the Fauci Senate hearing. He met with senators and went over these documents and made a video and made it clear. He said, I love my life. I am not suicidal. I have met with these senators. I have given them this information. Let's see what happens next. Do you think, real quick, anything going to come of this round, Eric? We'll see. I mean, I just... It's getting hotter in the kitchen, is it not? Yeah, for him, but man, Fauci's got away with so much for so long, man. It's going to be tough. Yeah, understood. Well, we've got a guest uh, coming up. We've got to talk about The Great Reset and Glenn Beck's new book. Coming up on Pat Gray Unleashed. Pat Gray Unleashed. All right. And for Pat Gray, I'm Keith Malinak with Eric July, with Jill Savage, and now Justin Haskins is in the studio with us. Uh, He co-wrote the book, The Great Reset, uh, Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism with uh, Glenn Beck. It's glennsnewbook.com where you can find that. Now, Justin, uh, he's the director of the Socialism Center at the Heartland Institute. And so you've been tracking the Great Reset for quite a while now. You know what time it is, and you have so much information to share, uh, important information to share, that people, you got to get this book. It is chock full of uh, stuff that that you got to warn others about. Right, yeah. 
What tell us in a nutshell if if someone is at work today and they've got a they 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 want to talk about the great reset or something how do they how, what, yeah. what's a what's a quick little overview for them to, Right right yeah that's a that's a great that's a great question what's the elevator pitch yeah, for it elevator what, pitch. one of the reasons why the great reset is such a crazy topic is because there are so many conspiracy theories surrounding it and so many factually incorrect things about it mm-hmm. that people have turned it into something that it actually isn't. What it is in reality is scary enough. You don't need to invent things right, to right. make it scarier. Right. The sort of overarching thing is the Great Reset is a uh, proposal by international elites to transform the global economy. The Great Reset slogan which started in the middle of 2020, sort of at the height of the pandemic, rolled out by the World Economic Forum, Prince Charles, a bunch of other international institutions at this huge event that they hosted. That's their language. And it alludes to pushing the reset button on the economy. That's Mm. the idea behind it. So how do they plan to do that? There are two main components to it. All right. The first is big, gigantic socialist type programs. There's really nothing, you know, we could talk about the Green New Deal if you want. I mean, spent much of my life talking about the Green New Deal. We don't, but I think everybody who's listening to this knows what that is, right? Mm-hmm. Single payer health care, uh, uh, federal jobs guarantee type stuff, but not just in America, in Europe and all over the world, okay? Mm-hmm. That's one half of it. Okay. The other half, the really interesting part of it, I think, is how they want to rework the economy in conjunction with these big social programs. What they want to do is roll out something that they call stakeholder capitalism. It's really not capitalism. Stakeholder means collective, essentially. So collectivist capitalism Mm. is the phrase. Change the language. Right, change the language. And the idea behind it is let's build a framework that requires big, gigantic corporations, banks, and others operating within the economy to behave in the way that we want them to at a micro level. So, um, you know, how do we get companies to go woke, basically? Mm. Why are we seeing all these companies do that? There are lots of theories behind it, but I think that the biggest overarching reason is because they're part of this whole Great Reset movement. And there are specific reasons why you see companies have these really crazy diversity programs where they're basically teaching all white people are racist, where, why they have, um, you know, why all of a sudden they care about climate change. Every single company in the universe cares about climate change. Why does Coca-Cola care about climate change? Why is uh, American Airlines and companies like that working on uh, uh, concerned with policies related to election integrity and stuff? What does that have to do with them? Why do they care? Because it's all part of this movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way the framework works, a sort of short uh, overview of how it works, is they have something called ESG scores. It's like a social credit system, all right, where you literally get awarded as a company in a dozens and dozens of metrics based on how woke you are basically, okay? And based on your score, investors and governments, depending on what country you're in, and um, that can vary from place to place, uh, award you or punish you depending on how woke you are. Um, They already have something like this in China for both individual citizens and for companies and in the Great Reset scheme, it's sort of their Western version of the China model. And it's 
it's already in place. The vast you majority of companies have China was going to be connected to this. It's, China's always connected right? to it. Right? With everything. Yeah, it's true. With, by the way, this is the longest elevator ride of I'm my sorry. life. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I know. And that, I'm kidding. And that's why people have to buy the book. Right. Absolutely. It's no, no, this to... is This topic, The Great Reset, Glenn has covered a lot of serious stuff. Yeah. I think we can all agree he has covered <clears> some very important topics. He calls this, and I made sure to write this down. This, he has said, is the most important thing that he's ever covered. And I don't think this is Glenn Beck hyperbole. This right here is generation changing. This is going to screw up the future for your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and beyond. In fact, the book even opens up in the year like 2040. The, the person listening to this, the American listening to this, what does their country look like in just those 18 years from now? Uh, right. Just in a in a in a just a general sense as yeah. to what everyday life is going to be like. So they've there's lots of people involved with the Great Reset who have sort of written about what they think is happening to the world and and how they think that we need to control it and and what it should look like. And I think the biggest takeaway from that, um, there are many things that you could point to, but sort of the biggest phrase of the Great Reset that you hear all the time is that within ten to twenty years. The average person will own nothing and will have no privacy and they will be happy. They They'll will be, be happy they with be not happy. owning anything and with having no privacy. Now, why would we be happy in a world like that? Because what they say is, well, you will become a society of renters. <sighs> we'll rent everything. No. You don't need a car. You can just get an Uber, right? You don't need a house. You can just rent from some gigantic conglomerate that will get. And so... Everything can become a sort of you rent it from some big giant corporation. So you can see why the corporations are all in favor of this. So should that be a red flag? Is that something we're going to start seeing the phrase stakeholder capitalism pop up everywhere? Oh, I mean, you can find if you just did a search on stakeholder capitalism, mm. you'll see that that has been something these people have been right. talking about for literally 30 or 40 years. Uh, they've tried on numerous occasions to try to promote these ideas and for the most part the people that you really need uh to make this work big corporations big banks um some government officials and things like that have kind of been resistant to it because they were making lots of money mm. in the other way of doing things mm -hmm. so they didn't need to do this but once they started printing trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars yeah. and pumping it into the financial system and circulating it around these big corporations with these big investors like BlackRock and others, and people started getting rich. What happened was they they essentially went to these people and they said, "Look, if you want this money train to keep going, then you gotta you gotta spend responsibly. You mm. gotta make sure that you're being sustainable. Uh -huh. You gotta play by our rules." And so all these big investors, all these big Wall Street firms, like again, like BlackRock, which has added trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars to its portfolio. <laughs> in just the past like five years, just... trillions of dollars. Um, these big banks, all of these people are getting filthy rich off of this. It's why you saw the stock market hmm. uh, s go up significantly in the middle of the worst global right. financial collapse right. in history. It's why real estate prices have gone up significantly in one of the worst economic crashes in history. Hmm. Millions of people lost their jobs and all these things went up why? Because the system is being flooded with this cheap cash that's being printed. Mm. 
and they're trying to come up with rules to make sure that the people who are getting rich off of all of this are going along with these left-wing causes as a condition of getting that money. Right. We're talking with uh, Justin Haskins, uh, Aaron Pat Gray Unleashed. He co-wrote the book, came out yesterday, uh, The Great Reset, Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism. Uh, co-authored that with Glenn Beck, uh, com. Let's go around the room. I know Eric's got a question. Jill's got a question. You probably have tons of questions over there. What's uh, what do you got here? Well, for I think you know what I certainly what I want to ask because I know you have like kind of a background, um, much in, in, in kind of studying the impacts of socialism, particularly state socialism. Um, when I've talked about this great reset, um, idea, I think that's been my primary emphasis is the socialistic aspect and how kind of socialism and state socialism being kind of the means to accomplish really what it is that they're they're attempting to do and what it is that they kind of uh, believe in with this great reset. Do you think that that part of it is the core issue? I don't want to say issue, but core aspect or rather core core vehicle of the great reset per se is the emphasis or the hyper emphasis of using these sort of state socialistic kind of alluded to it earlier uh, state socialistic be it programs um, as that vehicle to accomplish this, do you think that's the that's 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 it? That's the right. Ticket. So I think that the, the it's an important part of it to be sure, but I don't think it's the primary emphasis. Okay. And the reason for that is because, as we just saw with what happened in Congress with Build Back Better and all this stuff, it's really hard. It turns out to pass socialist programs in Congress. It's not easy to do. And our system in America, our constitution has been thwarting a lot of different socialist attempts for a very, very long time because you can't just change the constitution. It's easier in Europe to do these things, but it's really hard in the United States. So one of the primary reasons why they're so interested in creating this whole new version of capitalism, as they describe it, is because they wanted to come up with a way to impose leftist ideas, to change the culture, change society, uh, change what you can buy and sell and what you can say online and all of this stuff without actually having to pass a law. That's the genius of it. So you don't need a socialist program. All you need is all of the corporations to say, we're not going to let you say certain things. We're not going to let you buy certain things. We're not going to let you go to certain places. If they're all doing that and you tie that with a movement toward we don't own anything, well, then we're just living, we're living by their rules, essentially, right? Mm. Now you don't even need socialism. You have centralized planning, centralized control without the collective ownership and management of the property directly. So the primary difference between this and true socialism would be that part of it. It's the collective ownership part. This is not a call for collective ownership or management of property. That's the reason why you don't see AOC and Bernie Sanders waving the great reset flag because they want collective ownership and management of property. These people don't. They want to control the property themselves. So this is more of a sort of elitist, uh, globalist kind of movement. It's more in the line of uh, of a George Soros and um, you know uh, per- per- early progressive era type Woodrow Wilson you know control by the elites than it is say like Karl Marx or mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders or someone in Makes that sense. vein. Yeah. With COVID, we saw all of the big businesses got to stay open, but the mom and pop shops mm. had to shut down, right? You look at America, you look at the fabric of of the workforce, and and there are so many entrepreneurs and small businesses. You talk about ESG scores and and the corporations are going to continue to take over. So what does that do for small businesses and and the entrepreneurs in America? Right. 
I think that what we've seen since the pandemic rolled out and, and this and this is why they were so I mean, they've been pushing these kinds of ideas for a long time, but the pandemic offer gave them an opportunity that they didn't have. In fact, they call they use the phrase. It's a golden opportunity to change the world. Right. And that all of the, the closing of all these mom and pop shops, the uh, consolidation of of wealth in the hands of a few, the vast amounts of money printing like we've talked about before. All of these policies make it easier to control the system because all you have to do is to get so it's so much. I mean, if you have tens and thousands or hundreds of thousands of small businesses in a single country to try to get them all to go along with something is impossible. They won't do it. But if you can control their banks and say, well, you can only bank with certain people. If you can control their uh, the corporations and the corporations control most of the economy, there's a lot fewer of those people running things. So it's easier to manage the system. And that's what they're doing. What they're, they're trying to do is consolidate wealth and power to the point where it's manageable to control it without actually having to pass a law that controls it, right? So that was a big part of it. A, a huge part of it is, is the small business owner being destroyed. Because again, you can't, and you saw this with the pandemic. We saw gym owners say, screw you. I don't care what the law is. I'm staying open. We saw people, uh, you know, we I, there were businesses where I live, which is in a super liberal place, who basically, you know, they put the signs up on the doors that you had to do X, Y, or Z or whatever. <laughs> but then, then they didn't actually do any of those right. things, right? <laughs> and so, I mean, and we saw this everywhere, right? Yeah. But with big corporations, they were more than happy to go along with everything. They're still pushing for a lot of this stuff because they're all getting rich off of it. And they want to make sure that they are uh, in good with the right yeah. people. Business in uh, good standing. Exactly, because mm -hmm. they want access to that cheap capital. That's the, that's the bottom line. And they get to tell everybody and all of their friends at Davos cocktail parties and elsewhere that they're helping to save the world and they have this that is, great savior complex, you know. And when you read what these people say, I mean, they're the most egotistical group of people on the face of the right, planet. Right, you just walked into my next question. Uh, I was going to say, uh, Justin, tell us uh, what is Davos and why should people be aware of that? And second question is tell us who klaus schwab is and why should people be aware of who he is so two of them for you there <clears throat> right so uh davos is a place in switzerland um it's a big uh, it's a ski resort a very elaborate um ski resort every year the world economic forum which has been around for a very long time decades and decades and decades hosts an event at davos and it's now just become davos is right. the event right and essentially, this is an event of for the elite of the elite from all over the world, corporations, businesses, government, they all get together and they talk about how they're going to save the world. That's how they sell it, right? How can we save the world? Really what it is in reality is an opportunity for these people to get together and talk, uh, a sort of plan how they want to move things forward. Um, and that has manifested itself in a bunch of different ways, but... The Great Reset is was really birthed out of Davos. Right. And Klaus Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum and is one of the most influential people in the world, uh, literally wrote the book about the Great Reset, talking about why we needed to do this and what why it was important. And he's been pushing for this idea of stakeholder capitalism and resetting the global economy for decades and decades and decades. Um, and so the reason why the World Economic Forum matters is not, and the reason why Davos matters, is not because they actually have any 
control directly over anyone. They don't. They're not a government or something. But they are the inter. They're sort of the the space where all of these people can get together and, frankly, plan how they're going to operate, what they're going to do, how the world is going to look. And I know that sounds really conspiratorial, but I mean, all you got to do is go to their website and read the stuff that they post there. They're very open about how they want to change the entire world, blow up the global economy, reset everything. I mean, I have a mountain of quotes and you can find them in the book where, where it's very clearly illustrated what they're doing. And so that's why Davos matters. It matters because the things that they do at Davos ultimately become the policies of these corporations and banks and governments for decades into the future. Yeah, so do you think that with the centralization of money, I mean, you're not going to find any shortage of uh, libertarians kind of rally against that, uh, be it the Treasury or the Federal Reserve, um, uh, most definitely, or the central banking system. But do you think that, you know, I know in the last, like, decade or so, definitely speeding up in the last couple of decades, you've seen kind of this... um, this uh, people becoming more privy to the idea of like these decentralized monies. Do you think that that is uh, going to be a useful effort in kind of staving this off and, and trying it, it, because, you know, you mentioned with the uh, kind of inflationary issues and how that is lined up big, massive corporate entities and, and the banks because the what like 40 percent of the 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 money supply was printed in like the last year or some <laughs> right. something insane like that. But, you know, be it and it's not I'm not just referring to Bitcoin and, and ideas like that but do you think that that is kind of a, a, at least an effort if not to halt it to kind of uh, uh, let's say slow it down at least in some capacity to push for um, uh, this this great reset is this kind of people focusing more on like decentralized money that's not attached let's say right. to them yeah so the the great reset does not work without central banks having mm. control over money okay. because you got to print it and you got to distribute it and the whole concept of cryptocurrency, depending on the cryptocurrency right. you're talking about, is to stop that from happening right. and to take decision making out of it and to, uh, not totally, but centralized decision making out of it so that, uh, you know, Bitcoin, uh, the supply of Bitcoin goes up at a certain rate, you know, and it, there's really no central bank that right. can control that. So s- some cryptocurrencies absolutely would would put a stop to this without a doubt. And there are some people in the cryptocurrency space who are trying to create whole new financial systems that operate outside of the existing system. Other cryptocurrencies, however, could easily be co-opted and used by the existing financial system to make their lives easier to actually ramp some of this stuff up. Mm -hmm. Because what cryptocurrency can do in a lot of cases is it can... um, automate a lot of the decision-making processes that happen right now. So you might have thousands of employees at a bank making lending decisions and doing things like that. You can actually replace most of that with a good cryptocurrency system. Wait, wait, is there a book? uh, Is there a list in the book or is there a list somewhere you can show us? These are the good cryptos. These are the cryptos that (laughs) could be used. Certainly not the ones that are monitoring. uh, uh, You aren't the ones that you want to use, but they are more private. You got like Monero and all of those that are that are out there that are doing exactly uh, what it is he's saying and trying to definitely have that kind of private um, um, uh, kind of uh, with not controlling the money supply, not not having uh, you basically be able to just create avoid the cryptocurrencies that you that again is no cap on them like what you know at least with Bitcoin for example um, at least with that you don't have to run of the issue of like. 
there's that there's that amount of uh, of sats and there's not going to be ever anymore. Right, there's right. no increase of that money supply where mm-hmm. other cryptos are like we're going to make as much as we can. Right. And so <laughs> and, and the other thing about that is that um to kind of wrap that up is that they're buying these financial institutions are trying to control it by buying it. Yeah. They're buying lots of it. Mm. Uh, big Wall Street financial firms, big um, uh, hedge funds, they're actually buying massive amounts of Bitcoin mm. and of Ethereum and of other of the major cryptocurrencies. And in a way, if the government just decided, it's it's sort of funny. I'm not trying to give advice to the government. I don't think there's anybody from the government listening to the show. Maybe they are. I don't know. But if I was the central bank, I'd print a bunch of money and I'd buy up all the Bitcoin because then that solves that problem. Now yeah. you control all of the mm-hmm. Bitcoin, and there's you couldn't buy all of it because a lot of people wouldn't sell it. They'd hold it, but you could buy a lot of it, and now you have kind of control over it just yeah, by see. buying. Yeah. It. We're yeah. going to be ruled by micro strategies. That's that's a separate <laughs> thing. Uh, when you look at you know the the slogan, right? You're you're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. I like owning things, right? So what's <laughs> what's the end game if if there's if there's a glimmer of hope, what is that 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 people can look to? Yeah, well, I think that the the glimmer of hope for the great when you're talking about pushing back against the great reset is that most people don't want it. Uh, they don't. They don't want a great reset of the global economy. They don't think that these things are important. When you ask people, we actually just did a poll with Rasmussen. Um, that that I don't even think it's actually publicly come out yet, but I just did a poll with Rasmussen <laughs> and uh, coupled with the Heartland Institute where we asked people questions about the Great Reset. We asked people if they knew what it was. We asked people if they supported it, if they knew what it was. The va- the majority of people said, like these were likely voters, said that they did not support it if they knew what it was. Then when we asked people questions about what the priority should be for businesses, the highest priority, we asked them about social justice causes, we asked about climate change, we asked about just making money, uh, providing good wages for employees, things like that. And overwhelmingly, people said some kind of business-related thing. Provide me with a good service or a good product. That's what I want. Make sure your employees are being Mm. paid well. That's what I want. Uh, only 1% said social justice causes. 1%. Wow. So even lots of Democrats. And 9% said climate change. That was the biggest sort of social justice. So together, 10% chose something like that. So people don't want it. Right. So figuring out a way to decentralize things is going to be the key to stopping it long term. People don't want it. So we got to figure out a strategy for making sure that we don't have to have it through some kind of a decentralization. Yeah, and we didn't even get to uh, your terrifying poll results of democratic attitudes toward the unvaxxed <laughs> yeah. that you talked about. If people missed it on Monday's Glenn Beck show, go back and listen to that. Uh, it's terrifying where we're headed. The Great Reset, Joe Biden and the Rise of 21st Century Fascism. It's available right now. Glenn's newbook.com. Thanks, Justin. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much.